0: Together on our knees, let us pray, pray, together on our knees. When I fall on my knees, with my face to the rising sun, O oh Lord, have mercy on me. Welcome to The Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that The Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. Hello, and I'm happy to be with you today as we look to the Word of God to draw from the Word of God. You know, I talked last week, we discussed What I call today the two primary aspects of Christian salvation. I raised the question is salvation a crisis or a process? And our conclusion was that salvation is both crisis and, and process. A moment of decision when we come to the end of ourselves and we ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives, to forgive us for our sins, and The Bible says, based on that experience, we're born again, we're saved. Today, our thoughts will be geared at shedding light on aspects of the second part. The second part is the process whereby we live out that which the Spirit of God has implanted in us. We're saved by grace through faith, we're told in Ephesians chapter 2 but we're saved by grace through faith. May the Lord open our eyes to look beyond that today. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we may see wonderful truth in your word and apply that truth to our daily lives. This is our heart's desire. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. In that passage in Ephesians chapter 2, which is verse 8, It is a gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Herein lies the heart of the process of our salvation. God doesn't want us to rob him of his glory by claiming we saved ourselves. But he just doesn't want us to sit around and wait for heaven to come. He has a job for us. It was planned in the whole history of the creation of man. God's plan and intent, in Genesis we read, read, was to have humanity be like him, to serve him voluntarily and in holy living and obedience to him Sin in the Garden of Eden ruined that. So we're called today by grace. God has sent his Son to save us, and we're saved. So that's our reminder. In chapter 2 and verse 8 of Ephesians, I want us to look more closely at what the whole salvation is all about. It says we're saved by grace through faith, but it says we're saved unto good works. We were planned for that. We were geared for that. And there came this sin thing that broke that continuity and broke our fellowship with God, and humanity became estranged from God. Instead of the wonderful fellowship that God intended, there was estrangement. God, while not able to associate with sin, found a way. God devised and executed the plan of redemption, our salvation. That is what being saved, born again, really means. From our state of being estranged from God, we now have fellowship with God in and through the person of his son Jesus. Thus begins the resetting of the clock of the divine relationship. Well, okay, you say, so where do we go from here? And I'm glad you asked that question because that's the second part of our salvation, the process. God saved us in the crisis moment of our life. Jesus Christ paid the price. The great divine crisis was when the sinless, spotless Son of God took up on himself our sin, your sin, my sin and the world said away with him crucify him we will not have this man to reign over us to rule over us and Jesus Christ paid the price and upon the cross he announced that the job was done the price for sins was paid the demand of the righteousness of God was met and although and because you and I could not meet that standard God includes us in that sacrifice if by faith we embrace Jesus as Savior and, and Lord. To better appreciate this point, let's think of the greatest written document that I know about our salvation. It's called the Book of Romans. In the Book of Romans, the entire state of humanity's, human humanity's depravity lost estate, estrangement from God, is argued and articulated with precision and clarity. And it sums it up by saying, For all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It echoes the statement of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 when it says, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus that is, the iniquity of us all. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. That's what it says in Romans chapter 5. By the time we get to chapter 5, we've dealt with all the ugliness of sin, and the sacrifice for sin, and the embracing of salvation by faith. He says, we're back in fellowship. We're back in a relationship with God. Friend, if you hear nothing else, please hear this clearly. It's not about a religious philosophy. It's not about a moral ideology. It's about a relationship between God and humanity. Sinful man approaches holy God through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And so, let me get to chapter 5 of Romans. We heard a great declaration, therefore, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. After that, my friend, begins a whole unfolding of how the process works. With reasoned arguments, the spirit-driven apostle raises questions like this, as he does in chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin or go on sinning so that grace may increase, so grace may find a place to operate, in other words? Paul says, absolutely not, under no condition. How can we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? Of course, the question is, what do we do now? The answer is to perform the process, live the holy life, do the things that Jesus directed, commanded, and in fact demands of every believing human being. To better appreciate it, let's think of the greatest documents statement about it. What should we say? No. Continuing sin? No. What should we then do? The answer is to perform the divine outworking of that which the Spirit of God has implanted in us by the time we get to chapter 8 of the book of Romans we have a real picture laid out for us a clear picture laid out for us and oh by the way if you don't miss next week because that's what we're going to talk about today we'll only be able to introduce it but next week we'll be talking about how the mind works as it's expressed in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 is a fascinating chapter in the book. Many people only know it as containing a verse that we use so loosely, so lightly, and so very often out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we put that around anything and everything we want to quote unquote claim. That isn't what Romans 8.28 is really all about. We'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But the best way we can introduce it is just to read a few of the verses as chapter 8 begins. And as I read excerpts from the first few verses, I want you to please pay attention to the word mind, M-I-N-D. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then we're going to slip down to chapter 8. And brother, verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his Son, his own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met that's met for us and in us who do not live any longer according to the flesh but according to the spirit verse five those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires the word mind but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. The word mind opens the question department of our lives. In Romans 8, read it, in Colossians 3, verse 2, it says, Set your affection and things above, not on things on the earth. Romans 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Colossians 2, verse 8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And then in Second Corinthians chapter 10, it speaks about casting down imaginations, having our minds controlled under the Spirit of God. My friend, may God quicken your mind to seek to live according to the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's all we have time for today. Please come back. Let's talk about it next week. If you can, listen to the broadcast again at our website at harvestinternational.org or at our podcast at speaks brickcity.com thebiblespeaksbrickcity.com, thebiblespeaksbrickcity.com. Till next week, this is ultimately in praying God's rich, wonderful blessings upon you. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International. Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478.